When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. My first guest this evening is the only person in American history to have led the White House Council of Economic Advisors, the Federal Reserve, and the Treasury Department. Please welcome Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Nice to have you. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, pleasure. Have you ever been on a late-night show before? I've never been. You're going to love it. It's great. <laughs> You're the first female Treasury Secretary, but when, when President Biden approached you uh, to take the gig, you hesitated. Why? I did. And what, what changed your mind? Well, you know, I had had a bunch of high-level positions. Sure. I'd been chair, chair of the Fed yeah. and other positions, um, Council of Economic Advisors. There are a lot of qualified people who want these jobs, and I thought, this is my time to let somebody else take the job. But Mm -hmm. when he came to me and said, no, I really want you to do it, it's Mm -hmm. important to me that you say yes, I thought, okay, that's that's something different. The president asked. (laughs) You don't say no to the president. Well... You have been called, and I want to get this right, you've been called a genius at explaining arguments simply and clearly. Others have said this. I know you haven't said this to yourself, but are you explaining arguments simply and clearly? Can you explain how inflation got so high? Because two years ago, everything seemed fine. Uh, Even in 2021, you and other members of the administration believed that inflation was a small risk. What happened uh, simply and clearly? That's a challenge. That is, yeah. yeah. Uh, So we had a rapid recovery from the pandemic. When President Biden was elected, unemployment was quite high. It was close to 7%. And we put policies in place that generated a very rapid recovery. Unemployment quickly fell back into the threes. Where is Um, it now? Where is it now? Three, seven. Okay. So... Normally, you wouldn't expect, um, just because you had a rapid recovery, uh, for inflation to rise very much, if at all. But it turned out the pandemic had very special impacts on the economy. Remember, everybody stopped spending on services. They were in their homes for a year or more. Um, They wanted to buy grills and office furniture. They were working from home. Mm they suddenly started splurging on goods, buying technology. Um, You know, we we suddenly working through technology. And bottlenecks started developing where supply in particular important sectors of the economy just couldn't keep up with demand. Give you an example, a couple of examples. So cars. There was a surge in demand for automobiles but also for technology goods. And suddenly, semiconductors that go into all of these goods, they're in short supply. I still, I still, I'm still trying to get a car at this point. I can't, it's, it's no, still, I can't, I can't get uh, a car. 
Well, you know, the factories really had to shut down some of their production. They just didn't have enough semiconductors to be able to supply cars. And with all that demand and very limited supply and the companies not being able to expand production, prices of automobiles just shot up. And used cars, too, prices just shot up. So that's one example. But we also started buying a lot of stuff for our homes. I mean, I'll I'll confess that I had Amazon packages coming almost every day. (laughs) And we'd moved into a house that needed some furniture. And um, I don't think I was the only one. And, you know, suddenly there aren't enough shipping containers. A lot of those goods are imported. And the ports are becoming clogged. And there aren't enough shipping containers to be able to ship these good shipping rates or... um, moving way up. It's suddenly very expensive and and takes a long time to get these goods into our economy. And so prices started skyrocketing for things in short supply. Well, j- just because we have a limited amount of time here, let me let me accept that as a rationale for why the prices went up. What now can the government do? Well, because whether or not, whether or not it is necessarily any particular president's fault that that happens, every particular president has to take the responsibility for what's happening in that economy because we blame the last guy. I'm willing to blame this guy, too. Fair so, enough. So what can the government do to make this better? Because it seems to take so, a long time to get, get this under control, no matter how much Jerome Powell puts the screws to the interest rates. <laughs> so it is President Biden's and my top economic priority to get inflation down because it is really concerning and imposing a lot of costs on American households and consumers. So the first job goes to the Fed. They need to take some of the heat out of the labor market. Um, And what does that mean? I'm going to stop you right there just because, pardon me, but one of the critique of the Fed is that they increased interest rates to try to cool off the labor market. But what does that do to the people who actually work those jobs? That one of the critiques of the Fed is it's good for people who already have money for those interest rates to go back up because we get certainly a better return on our money. But what does it do to the people who don't have that vast job market that they had a month ago if those opening jobs go away? Well, right now, demand for workers is so strong that there are two job openings for every American who's looking for a job. We've never seen anything like that in the United States before. And so... With the economy slowing a little bit, demand slowing a little bit, um, firms, instead of having plans to massively expand their workforce, um, they're beginning to rethink how much they need to add to their workforce. Sure. Uh, and, uh, Amazon, uh, J.P. Morgan, Meta, Disney, Paramount, they've all done big cuts in anticipation of a recession. One doesn't seem well, to have shown up yet. Who's right? Are we headed for a recession? Because your counterpart in England says that they're already in recession and it's going to be the longest one since the Great War. So I believe there is a path to bringing inflation down while maintaining a strong, healthy labor market. People don't have to lose their jobs. Firms um, need to moderate their demand for workers. Right now uh, and over the last year, They've been bidding so aggressively for workers they can't find that wages and prices have been rising very rapidly. And as the economy slows, just a little bit less intense 
demand for workers. People don't have to lose their jobs. We don't have to see a recession. I think that can succeed in bringing inflation down. So, so you think it's possible we're risks. not he- you think it's possible we're not heading into a recession. Yes, I, we had a rapid recovery. Growth has slowed down. I expect the pace of job creation to slow down. That's natural and expected when the unemployment rate is close to the lowest in 50 years. So I think we can take the heat out of the economy. And remember, Russia has conducted a brutal war against Ukraine, and that caused uh, gas prices to spike. It's caused food prices to spike. It's creating hardship all over the world. And um, we're really trying to address those, those strains as well. That's another reason inflation went up, and we're trying to hold that down. Now, um, you used to be, as I said before, you used to be the head of the Fed, chairman of the Fed. What goes on in there? Because <laughs> there's lots of, you know, conspiracy theories that the Fed is a cabal and you guys wear robes and sacrifice a goat. And then <laughs> and right before the goat bursts into flames, it tells well, you the new interest rate hike that you're supposed to say. How, how, what is it? Why, why well, is it so you know, secretive? Why is the Fed so secretive, man? Well, it used to be very secretive. And there was a famous book called Secrets of the Temple. Yeah. And... Then the philosophy, and it it was thought once upon a time, I can no longer remember why, but that monetary policy would be most effective if it was most secretive. And the truth is that the Fed never even announced to the public what decision they had made about monetary policy. The first time that ever happened was in February of 1994. Before then, the interest rates would just change, and that's how we would find out? They would make a secret decision, and you had to be a Fed watcher. And you would watch the money supply numbers, and you really had to understand how Wall Street worked in order to realize they had changed the stance of monetary policy. Meetings ended. They never even issued a statement. And Alan Greenspan decided that in 1994, when after a long period of interest rates being steady, he was going to start to raise interest rates, that it was really important to tell the public that that this was happening. And the whole philosophy of monetary policy changed after that. And central bankers realized that monetary policy is much more effective when you explain to people what you're doing and why And then people can see what the strategy is. They anticipate where the Fed is going. And they actually, in a sense, front run the Fed because they say, oh, yeah, this is what it's going to be. And um, markets begin to price in what the Fed is going to do. And it's like it makes the whole response of the economy to policy faster. If if you guys are signaling properly what you're going to do, because then people could make a, a, a wrong guess... If, like, you're giving testimony to Congress and you scratch their nose and you go, oh, you should scratch your nose twice, that's two basis points right there. Well, sometimes markets do make mistakes and they misinterpret um, what's being said. So I, I, you're right about that. Speaking of markets making mistakes, um, this morning you called the recent crypto crash, quote, a Lehman moment. Of course, a Lehman moment, as I understand it, is when one firm or large entity ends up being a synecdoche for a larger market that ends to a collapse of the entire system. Are you saying that crypto could collapse 
because of recent crypto failures? Well, I'm saying that there, we have seen contagion that a large crypto firm with many links to other crypto firms within that sector, their other firms are under pressure because of what's happened to FTX. And we saw that earlier um, a year ago when there was a run in a, against a so-called stablecoin, namely a, a cryptocurrency that was intended to or promised to maintain a fixed value vis-a-vis the dollar. Pegged to the dollar. There was um, a coin called Terra, Mm -hmm. and people became afraid that Terra couldn't maintain that peg, and they wanted to cash in the Terra that they had. And this was like a bank run. Sure. And um, lo and behold, it couldn't maintain the peg, and then there was contagion to another much larger coin called Tether. And so we've seen contagion within this sector. And I would say the collapse of this firm, FTX, was a Lehman moment for cryptocurrency sector and has had contagion. But um, fortunately, there hasn't been much contagion to the real economy. Um, investors have lost a lot of money. And to me, that Um, points to the need for much um, more regulation of this sector. And this happened because um, this firm was operating mainly outside the United States. With with, With no oversight. With no real oversight. But even if it had been in the United States, there are real gaps. There's some super, there's some regulatory authority, but huge holes. And so this is a sector where innocent investors... Um, can really lose their money. Well, let me, let me ask you something about... Uh, let me ask this about crypto. Do you... Does crypto make sense to you And on this level? I, <laughs> people like Ron Paul would say that after the United States went off the gold standard, under Nixon, I believe, that, you know, we're now a fiat currency. Things are worth what they're worth because we say that it's worth something. It's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States, whatever that particular phrase that term of art may mean. And so is crypto, where I just create a widget that spits out a coin that I declare a value, and then that number of those sets a capitalization for all that crypto out there, and then people get invested. So that $20 million, now people say, oh, that's worth $100 million, and all that is created out of nothing. Does that make sense to you? Because there is no inherent (laughs) value to the actual item itself. Well, I, I have been pretty skeptical since the outset about what the value of crypto would be to the real economy. But because the United States has a fiat currency, is, is the dollar make any more sense to you than crypto does? Yes, the dollar makes a lot of sense to why, me. Why? Because it's a national currency that's well regulated by the Federal Reserve okay. that has a clear mandate and um, people who are accountable to the public and to Congress mm-hmm. to maintain... Um, the goals of the Fed, which is maximum employment and low and stable inflation. Price and they know stability. what they're talking about. They got the robes and, and they, the goat and everything. And they know what they got doing. the whole thing. Okay. And they tell you what they're doing. Sometimes people misunderstand, but, you know, they, they talk to you about what they're... They, well, one problem is they're at 19 of them at full strength, and they have slightly different views, and people sometimes find it um, confusing. Now that you're no longer at the Fed, do they confuse you? 
Does Jerome Powell confuse you ever as the Treasury Secretary? Not, not especially, but... No. Uh, <laughs> we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I will ask Secretary Yellen why her name isn't on our money yet. Stick around. Janet Yellen, here's something that confuses me. This is a dollar bill right there. Let's see if we can get a shot of that. And right over here, can you see this? This is, we looked for your name, and it says Steve Mnuchin over there in, I gotta say, block print. He never learned to connect his letters. Can you go back to that? Why isn't your name on this money, Secretary Yellen? It's been almost two years. Okay, so let's look at this bill. It's real. It's not counterfeit. No, no. It's, I, I agree. But you see, there's a second name. And the second name on the left side of the currency is the treasurer of the United States. Yes. And new money can't be issued until there is also a treasurer along with a do we not new have secretary. We now do have a treasurer. And our treasurer is the first Native American woman ever to be appointed treasurer of the United States. So when... And... When do you get the big moment? Next week, I am going to Fort Worth, which is where one of the two um, plants uh, are located that produce our currency, and I am going to see the first... um, the first sheets of currency that have been printed with both of our names. So it wow. is about to... <laughs> Did you practice? I... Did you practice your signature? Are you happy with it? I practiced and practiced. You know, I, I, I had heard stories. Um, two of my predecessors, President Obama's yes. Treasury Secretaries, yes. Tim Geithner and Jack Lew, signed the currency, and their signatures were so illegible that people made fun of them. And Sec- Secretary Liu, he, he signed in something that looked like eight circles that were connected. I remember that it looked like how a child would draw smoke coming out of a chimney. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and um, for both of them, it was decided that they should redo it. And so I, I knew that this was something you could really screw up, and I wanted to get it right. And I practiced and I practiced, and you, you'll see what you th- you'll see what you think. But I'll I think you'll be it. able to read the letters. I'll, I'll do my critique on air. How about that? <laughs> I'll let you know about it. Now, before we go, before we go, we do something at the show every week, which is called uh, the sack, where everybody throws in a buck with their name on it. At I the end of the week, that. I pull it out. Well, we're, because because you're here tonight, we're going to do a little bit early. If you don't mind, would you be willing to pull the Pull the name out of the sack to say who our who our who our winner is. This all is for right. All the money. How much money is in here? Do we know? Hundred and sixty-six dollars, Secretary. Who won? Willa in Digital PA. Willa Digital. Willa. <laughs> Congratulations. You get to keep that one, huh? Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. 
Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to the Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives.